4: Hey there, fellow fans. This is the voice of your god, Randy Lerner. Message to Dr. Tony. Y'all still owe me my millions, Tony. My final payments, due. You know the deadline. Automatic promotion by the 4th of May. It was what you promised me and your sycophant followers on social media, and don't you forget it, Tony. I was already kind enough to let you delay payment by a season, get your house in order, but Jesus Christ, man. So contact my new financial advisor, Christopher Samuelson. You've heard of him, and he'll inform you of the interest you'll now be paying until the playoff final is decided. It better only go one way. It better. Fail to get promoted, Tony, and Recon will have to sponsor the Villa Park Toilets and Car Park to cover the extra interest you'll have to pay me, boy. Over and out. Lerner, out. Fox out.
1: Almstead, out.
4: When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh,
2: called My Old Man.
3: Welcome to the My Old Man Said Podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOdManSed.com. Well, Peaky Blinders is back. England are back in the ashes, and Mr. Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground is back. With Avengers.
4: I'm back. We're winning.
3: He's killed all the other presenters. They're nowhere to be seen. <laughs> it's it's the return to the uh, the golden duo.
4: It is the dream team. We were here from the beginning, the years, the years in the in the basements of the leagues. And we're back together around the microphone.
3: Talking about Villa's first victory in is it sixteen attempts in the Premier League? In Premier How League sweet games. Grealish no, I mean... broke his run of twenty Premier League games. I think there were twenty twenty losses in a row. Wasn't twenty there? losses in a row. Yeah, Which is just yeah it a, was... it's just a curious statistic. It's just... It was a
4: quirky one, wasn't it? Because it was spread over uh, it was spread over the, the that terrible time we do not talk of, and uh, obviously yeah. the three years that have gone since. But uh, it's a nice quirky stat to have, have laid to rest.
3: And also a, a fantastic atmosphere for a league game. It was like something I hadn't seen for I can't I'm trying to pick since a Wembley. Game. <laughs> Well, no, like a league <laughs> game at Villa Park. I mean, the last really good, full-on uh, atmosphere, I would say, would be like, you know, West Brom FA Cup quarter-final, where it, you know, went up a notch. But this when the game, dark
4: days of football returned. That yeah. Happen
3: exactly <laughs> and uh, cuz that was like a as a saturday and it was at 530 so yeah, it was all day drinking you know ex- <laughs> extra couple of hours uh, thrown in as well for good measure but this was a friday night game friday night you know i would take a saturday afternoon all the time but i think there would have been a higher percentage on average of drinks cuz it's like friday you finish work you know most before a bank holiday work. before a bank holiday you know let's go and uh, hopefully uh, it's not just that it was actually that. That's how it's going to be uh, henceforward, because uh, it was rock and rolling from the uh, kickoff to uh, the Sweet Caroline. uh, And I was in the Trinity uh, this time, uh, Lower. I mean, the atmosphere in there was actually good, which is, you know, which is is saying something.
4: They've had all day to read and complete the Telegraph crossword, though, (laughs) so it's... (laughs) Nothing much was happening with the ashes at that point.
3: But the difference, there's a difference between, uh, I think, the Sweet Caroline in the Holt End, instead of da-da-da, it's, you know, fuck the blues. (laughs) And in the Trinity, (laughs) in (laughs) in the the Trinity End, it's still, na-na-na, the fuck the blues isn't there quite yet. It'll
4: come. It'll come. I, I did mean to mean to ask you actually, because uh, I know you have a real disdain for the phrase "under the lights of Villa Park," <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lot of that going around on Friday. And I wondered whether uh, whether, th- whether you'd been triggered or whether this was we were a long way from "under the lights of Villa Park versus Rotherham." To this felt more like a Premier League game to me.
3: Yeah, it, well, it felt more like a like a European game, but I think because there was something at stake straight away, like we needed mm. our first points, we and needed I think it. that's why the s- supporters were fired up. Up.
4: So is the phrase allowed? Is that is that does that meet the?
3: No, I, th- it's, I think it's a marketing thing. It's, <laughs> it's still it's something that got it's European nights, but it got diluted to under the light we, we we become
4: part of the park it was one of those many phrases that yeah
3: so unless somebody <laughs> can find me evidence that this is real under the lights is real solid old school villa talk from uh, years gone by then I'll stand corrected but uh, email david at
4: myman com
3: I think it's European. <laughs> I think it's European nights and it got diluted along the way by the marketing team <laughs> The marketing team, who obviously, uh, by their last tweet that I saw, where they came out with this wonderful stat. Before, we've had 1,073 or whatever the figure was, goals mm. that have never been scored by a Brazilian. And our last two goals were scored by Brazilians for the first wow. time. Wow. Well, in, in itself, it's uh, that's because we've never had Brazilians before, unless you count the Scottish Café. But Chris Bird's had a Brazilian. But the fact is, it's actually wrong because, as I quipped on uh, Twitter, they must have been one of these uh, people who uh, that leave the Villa marketing team to uh, beat the traffic because uh, Mr. Algarzi scored. Yes, uh, and since I uh, since I last checked his passport, it wasn't Brazilian. <laughs> no. <laughs> so not I only. Took-
4: it's like someone had drafted the tweet, basically, and going, oh, I just need to send it.
3: Yeah, it we'll was good. time this up for... When shall we send it? Sunday, uh, five o'clock, yeah. I'll put that one in for that. No. <laughs> anyway, by the way, uh, I'm still recovering from yet another cricket miracle that England have performed after a yes. fucking atrocious first innings, which... Uh, Made you just want to give up cricket altogether? What was it? Everyone
4: si- had given up, as we were yeah. saying off air. Everyone, anyone who says they were tuned in expecting what happened to happen is lying. Everyone was ready to bag them out again. Yeah. Unbelievable, happened to be honest.
3: Right? I checked in uh, early afternoon, expecting <laughs> it to be over, just just of you know morbid curiosity, you know, to see what You're they were looking actually for en- heartbeat, weren't you? What what they actually <laughs> what they actually <laughs> ended what well, they actually ended up with and even then you just when I I can't remember what the chase was when I looked at it but uh, it got down to 18 and you're thinking our oh, Leach isn't going to hold on is he he's not no. going to hold on and uh, obviously the rest is history and and like the world cup final uh, decisions went our way uh, i mean australia if a if if the umpire got it right it would've been out uh, stokes would have gone and uh, also mm. if the Aust- australians had just withheld that last review and i I don't blame them for going for it because you you know you throw in the kitchen sink it but uh, if they withheld that and then reviewed the last uh, dubious decision it would have been game over but we won but, we won. <laughs> but Jack Leach I mean he, he was in the crease for uh, an hour for 60 <laughs> <Yes>. minutes
4: <laughs> and no, not sc- allowed to play any cricket at any point <laughs>
3: <laughs> Scored you one, could watch Jack scored one run and you know previously uh, this summer against Ireland he'd knocked up 92 so he'd probably advance his chances to, yeah I'd scored uh, 92 against <laughs> <Eddie> Ireland <laughs> yeah but they bowled us out for another disastrous total as well, so <laughs> so uh, the game is alive as we speak uh, and it makes me feel uh, like that last day that I went to at Edgbaston where we couldn't even hold on uh, until, you know, barely Dinner got time. Over, barely got over lunch. <laughs> That uh, that actually means something if the uh, the ashes is still alive. I mean, I had a good good morning at Edgebaston anyway. I managed to collect purposely because England didn't hold on and, and give us a good decent afternoon's cricket for twenty five quid. I had to purposely go around and collect ten plastic cups to get ten pounds back off the. I mean, stealing
4: them off the patrons before they finished their drink was a little extreme, <laughs> I thought, but the principle stands.
3: Well, now I was up in the uh, <laughs> what do you call it, the skyline thing. And uh, I don't think those guys who go there, uh, guys and girls, bother with uh, s- sending them back. They're not concerned about getting their pay and co- token back, I don't think. No, exactly. So uh, it's, it was a Robin Hood uh, routine I had to pull there. Anyway, let's get on to the football. Before we go on to uh, the three points, uh, a message from uh, an old friend. Oh,
0: say can you-
4: Hey there, Villa fans. This is the voice of your god, Randy Lerner. Please treat this as my final communique. It's radio silence hereafter, as I'm now bunked down with the good General Kulak for life. What y'all may have forgotten is that Dr. Tony owes me 30 million bucks for promotion. That was a deal, Tony. But I've since had to send in my own elite commando, who has the Terminator Edens, to do some recon of my own. Meanwhile, in Shanghai, Dr. Tony, our location has been revealed. We've received post. You told me that HMRC would never find us here. What if Big Keith is demanding that gravy train you promised him? Hey, what? Oh, God. Oh, oh, oh pass it here, lad. Oh, it's probably just a copy of, of my fit and proper certificate. Oh. August 2nd, 2019. Oh, this? Is- this isn't have been terminated, as director of Aston Villa Football
2: Club Recon Group, Greater Saviour, Theme Park Champions League Champions within 5 years limited. More it's now. Get door, lad. Uh, I'm just gonna go around back.
4: Listen to me very carefully. I am looking for Recon Systems model known as Dr. X. I will require your clothes on 30 million dollars. Get out of my base, social media boy, target acquired. Hasta la vista Tony, you won't be back. Ah!
3: So uh Mr Tony finally terminated. Well, he was terminated last summer. Really, I remember when I uh, when I went to meet the uh, the owners.
4: Were they looking for someone to show them to the headquarters of Recon
3: Group, and you just happened <laughs> to be Recon Group? Mm. Uh, no, I don't know the direction. Sorry, sir. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, they uh, they sent the fan consultation group members a letter. Good good PR by them. Now, and then mm. they had a meeting the next day and. Uh, I asked uh, Wes Edens because the Milwaukee Bucks uh, essentially had, when he started off with with them, they had a three-way ownership uh, set up there. And now it's a two-way deal. And I said to him from, and it was a loaded question, obviously. It's like this podcast
4: room, isn't
3: it? Yeah. (laughs) We just haven't told (laughs) budget. Oh, cut that out. Three-way just didn't work, did it, really?
4: No, it's not like the true Geordie.
3: I mean, the... uh... (laughs) Google that at your peril, folks. Yeah, if you know the true <laughs> Geordie, he's he's obviously had an interesting time, but uh, he handled it very well with his uh, comeback video <laughs> and uh, Mister. Uh, in those situations, you just own it. Mm. I mean, he's fortunate to have a, a that certain kind of persona. Uh, if you were a bit more, uh, if the revelations that
4: came out about him came out about you, can I handle your PR if that does happen?
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> you just you would just dig a bigger bigger grave, wouldn't you? <laughs> well no nobody yeah. would care if it was me that's the whole point uh it's not mm. about me i'd make it about you anybody who wants to check out what <laughs> the true geordie's uh been up to and, and wants to get involved in a new club that we're starting in <laughs> dan rogers sex dungeon <laughs> get, get in touch i've got
4: to work on the on the branding <laughs> and the membership tier yep
3: uh, <laughs> anyway we so Dr Tony uh, sorry uh, at this meeting uh, I asked uh, Wes I don't know how we've gone from sex engines to talking to, <laughs> talking to Wes Edens
4: I was desperately uh, <laughs> trying to segue segue <laughs> villa dogs into it I couldn't think of anything anyway carry on as we were as anyway
3: we were. so I asked uh, Wes Edens from his experience how did uh, the three-way ownership uh, go obviously it was a loaded question just to see how uh, it was going to pan out in the, the villa experience and you know he was very candid and he said he it just doesn't work he said two works very well and that was from the day you know if you were paying attention in that meeting you know that dr tony was over and the interesting thing was purslow coming out on that sky uh, interview that he did where he said mm. he's he, he's actually had zero contact with uh, dr tony since uh, he came in last september mm. which is interesting because they were literally sitting about 10 seats away in the same block at wembley so uh, he must have <laughs> after they let him in Yeah, they you know must have completely ignored him, and he was just there as a. I think it was. I mean, so it was a year basically for him to save face, wasn't it? Because uh, he probably wouldn't be allowed back into China if he'd. uh, been binned straight away but uh, no over the last you know every, every meeting with Pursle it was like oh, how uh, what's the percentage of uh, Dr. Tony you know, 45 for next meeting 27 and then you know it was 17 and he was terminated it was an early thing in the podcast that we used to do we used to do the Randy Lerner sketch where the whole <laughs> idea was he was after his 30 mil back and yeah. a lot of fans forgot about that in the, uh, the deal because you look how Villa was bought by Recon they got it at a rock bottom price and then they backed ended 30 million of it mm. so they bought the club they got it like was it 60 odd mil yeah, yeah. So they knew they had two years of uh, decent parachute money. I mean, you get three, but the first two years are you know pretty juicy. Was it thirty to around? You know, thirty thirty-five million, and then it goes down to like twenty twenty-five. So they they could gamble that because they knew that thirty million to buy the club was back-ended and would only be paid if they'd obviously got access to Premier League uh, rights money. So it was getting the club as cheap as possible, and uh, in the end, I don't think they probably made a profit on it. So that shows you what a disaster they did. Obviously, uh, end. Swe came in, and they've obviously got. They've obviously got a big club at a rock bottom price, but they've they have actually pumped uh, a bit of cash in there from the off, haven't they?
4: Mm, they did. They had to pump some in not so long ago. I think it was February, wasn't it? As well? Yeah, twenty nineteen
3: and it's not obviously the first uh, installment they've pumped in so uh, the deal was obviously uh, look we'll sort out Lerner and you're terminated mate so adios so we've started this season with a, with a clean slate uh, officially even though uh, you know he was never in the picture on an executive level anyway right we could talk about Dr Tony all day but he's dead to us now No more tweets from that boy. But anyway, let's get on to... He does, he does.
4: And before we do move on, it's quite funny to see the change in tone where people are like, I love you, Tony, Tony, you're our saviour, to just a thousand replies of fuck off. No comment
3: on that. Anyway, on to three points. Three points. First of all, uh, interesting development at Liverpool. Liverpool seemed to be trying to trademark any term connected to the club. First of all, Liverpool in the context of football products and services. And then uh, also made trademark applications, and this is relevant to Villa actually, uh, for, <laughs> for LA, the LA LA chant and uh, any reference to six times. Uh, I think that's probably in line with any merchandise that you uh, knock up because I think, for example, uh, you know, if there's loads of knockoff uh, six times European Cup win T-shirts outside, mm. this is this is what they're trying to force uh, force down. But the club's largest fan group, the Spirit of Shankly, uh, have say uh, they're not too keen on this. To quote what they've said: "After a magnificent summer of optimism and celebration for Liverpool Football Club, it's hard to contemplate such a controversial, ill-thought-out move by Fenway Sports Group. That's who own uh, Liverpool. Spirit of Shankly oppose blatant monetarisation of our football heritage." the name is not fsgs to own i mean it's kind of interesting i mean villa could do this anyone could yeah anybody uses the villa badge i mean these things are actually trademarks so uh you know when fan groups are making up flags or t-shirts villa can Mm. technically sue them and get them yeah. to pull down their, you know, web pages and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. Well
4: it's the pull down bit that would be the concern. I mean, we spoke briefly off air, isn't it? Because if bring it to a Villa context, it would uh, if Villa were to do something like that, it would open up the door to saying not just what would be the pull down effective upon fans, fan groups, blogs, websites, YouTube, whatever. But actually it's the spin the thing through the back door here is the monetization bit. Yeah. That uh how would the club pursue that would they treat it like the bad old days of i don't know uh, pirate music where you go after people and you say do you know you've you've got a website blog or youtube channel with twenty five thousand viewers we want our cut of your royalties now or all of it yeah you know if that's your way of doing things and that's the that's the scary thing is and is it just another way of hiving off a part of what is a big business like a football ground and we'll get to that later where if i don't know say in G's case they're not at liverpool anymore but they still own the liverpool name yeah Hey, who's the winner there? It's not the football club, and that's the that's the dangerous path that I think football finds itself yeah. down with with these types of things.
3: And you know, for example, you I know, mean, I don't I don't use the Villa Lion. I mean, a lot there's a lot of kids out there, obviously mm. doing uh, pages and you know Facebook pages and Twitter accounts, whatever, using the Villa Lion. I mean, technically, because Villa have all the trademarks on that, they can get those all, you mm. know get them removed. And you know, people mm. doing T-shirts or phone cases mm. using all the, the Villa badges and everything. You know, that is actually illegal because, you know, obviously Villa hold the rights, but Villa, if they uh, do press charges or try to do something, and you'll be surprised. I mean, we're, we're turning into a world where marketing and marketing execs are ruling football and they come... I mean, from my experience of talking to them, and this is like uh, almost weekly, they come with very little uh, football, you know, knowledge or tradition. You can tell, you know, you can tell when somebody's really into something, if they're really into music or if they're really into Mm -hmm. film, rather than somebody just has a passing interest in a favorite team. You know, it doesn't take more than two minutes of conversation to work that one out. I can give you a hundred examples, but uh, I'll try not to throw too many people under the bus, (laughs) but um, connected to the club at the moment. (laughs) But, yeah, it's, uh, it's it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And the uh, LALA channel, because when you register a trademark, you register that name for v- different purposes. I mean, there's there's so many different categories. And I'm assuming this is all for like merchandise and stuff. So only they can do the LALA, you know, mm. t shirts, for example. You
4: have to assume so, right? I think it's it, where does it stop with that sort of stuff That that's where I don't understand that do you you know when you start going down the LA 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 you're into the, in my view anyway the, the minutiae of, of, of things connected to your football club and, and I do wonder if, if you're going to the trouble to trademark things it suggests to me that you'll go to the trouble to yeah. enforce it and you know and is that as complicated as saying Liverpool are a, are a global brand and I guess is, I don't know, they're subject to a greater degree of copyright theft but you'd have thought there's other ways that they could go about it and deal with it you know go to source you know find out who
3: Yeah it might I mean that's a good point they might be an overseas thing uh in particular mm. as well, because I think spirits shankly met the club and they seem to be reasonably okay uh they walked out of it with some assurances, so that might be part of it, even though uh, there hasn't been no conclusion so far to see how this actually developed. But we'll uh, keep an eye on it. Uh, point number two, uh, it's an ongoing thing. We've, we've mentioned it before, crisis clubs, and we're getting to, uh, it's turned into a bit of a farce with uh, Barry and Bolton uh, cancelling games uh, so far. But uh, you know, do you want to pick up what's uh, just happened? Yeah, I mean, this is something we've spoke about you you can almost
4: change the name of, the, of of the teams in recent years of teams that have come you know within within hours or minutes of folding. But I think Berry and and Bolton seem like they could they could be the uh, the first two teams to be um, booted out the league potentially. Or, or in, in Bolton's case, it's as yet you know, undecided. Since I think it was Maidstone in nineteen ninety two. Um, as things stand, when we as we're recording, is that they've been set a, a bizarre deadline. Berry have and Bolton by by five o'clock on the Tuesday after the bank holiday by the EFL, who have suddenly remembered that they, uh, I think, are trying to cover themselves on the fact that they've been sitting idly by watching them, those clubs and, and others. Uh, I don't know, really. Uh, self-destruct and you wonder what sort of fit and proper tests are going to be taking place when they've got to get new ownership in place by, by 5 o'clock on Tuesday. How, how are the EFL going to check the new new owners? Yeah, You know, in my line of work, I do a lot of due diligence on people and they, they do due diligence on me. Yeah. And they don't do it on in between a bank holiday Friday and a Tuesday at five o'clock, in my experience. Uh, we have a better understanding, I think, as, as Villa fans now of, of how of the EFL's clunky ways of working. And I think um, my view, I can't say it's the view of anyone else, but my view is the EFL is um, trying to position itself here as the barometer for. They they can be trusted to measure clubs and they are upholding the rules. But I go back to what I said at the outset. Really, how are, how are clubs like Barry and Bolton Bolton particularly given you know the vast wealth gone, that's gone through that football club and the very public and open book exercise that you can do on these teams and who who are in and around them and trying to buy them and who've been involved with the financial side. Where have the FL been in in this process? Why does it yeah. why does it come to the point that these teams are going to be wound up?
3: It's something they they could have addressed last season. Uh, I mean, there's also people have said that they could just relegate them now and uh, you know stop with all this messing around for the season, which will give them you know extra x amount of months to get their their house in order. I suppose but they
4: could do. I think that the I mean we don't need to go any great depth on this, but it's what a couple of biggies for me. One, it's history repeating itself. You can just line up the Coventries, the Southampton's and, and whoever. You know, it's happened to them all where they've lost control of things like their grounds, etc. But the second thing is that, you know, what? where is the EFL in this, in, in remembering that from a fan point of view, that you're just going to punish the people who have co- come and done the damage have gone and... Yeah, these are these are the supporters' clubs. At the end of the day, they need to be more proactive.
3: You know, I've I've sent a, a letter to the EFL um, last year and uh, flagged it at the Football Supporters Association meeting about this potential loophole of uh, I mean, what happened to Villa? And we've we've already just mm. explained it, where a, mm. a team can get relegated from the Premier League and this fit and proper test. Uh, I think it's basically showing you have two years that you can sustain a, a football club. And, uh, you know, as I I said to the EFL, but if you've been relegated from the Premier League, you have those two years, if somebody just buys you then where you get your parachute payments. So they're not gambling that much money. And in the case of Villa, there was a back-end final payment as well, which was subject to promotion. So there is a loophole there for a a two-year gamble. And, you know, what happened at Villa? It all blew up in the third year. And this this is something that should be addressed. It should be like you should, you know, if you've a relegated team then it should be able to sustain a club past that three-year period. So anyway, Absolutely. well, I mean, we, we can, yeah. you know, waffle on about this, mm. but it'll be interesting to see what happens to those clubs and how it's going to pan out because Berry haven't played a game yet and they've got...
4: No, they're five five games postponed. I, minus I, I 12 I echo what points. you say.
3: I think that, that
4: all I'd say is I hope those clubs survive, you know, and it's, you know, I've got no affinity to Berry or Bolton, but, no. you know, you, you read about the, you, the average person who enjoys their football or follow their club for however long and it stands to be ruined by greed. Yeah, it's just wrong.
3: Right on to point number three. Final point. If you hate VAR and there's a lot of people hating on VAR. But at the end of the day, VAR is VAR. It's just a system and it's human error at always. So FIFA, <laughs> if you uh, if you hate VAR already, FIFA are coming up with a new idea. And that's the idea of binning that human element, uh, well, in terms of linesmen anyway, and using robots instead. Which robot would you have? <laughs>
4: I'm going to jump in. Uh, Robocop. I'm going to go first. Oh, <laughs> I'd have Crichton
1: <laughs> from Red Dwarf.
3: <laughs> you imagine
1: that?
3: <laughs> what's, what's that? Uh, I forgot the the name of it, but that, that machine in uh, Robocop that says you have 20 <laughs> seconds to comply. <laughs> Yes. Maybe use that one. Uh, so the idea yeah. is uh, the FIFA have a department set up researching uh, this exact areas.
4: Oh, I imagine that's the, the brains of the world. <laughs> Sepp platter has been brought out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so... so uh... The oh, question dude. is, like, will they replace uh, referee assistants uh, completely with cameras and computers ruling off sides and throw-ins? Uh, and the, the suggestion is it could happen one day. I know the uh, FIFA president, by all accounts, uh, Giannini Infantino, is a huge advocate of VAR, and uh, he seems to be uh, behind the potential of a growing influence of a technology within the game. So uh, that will be uh, kind of interesting. I mean, the VAR thing, I mean, just in a nutshell at the moment, I It's still, uh, in terms of a Villa context, there's been no problem. I mean, I think it's been seamless, as we've mentioned in the last two shows. It's, Mm -hmm. from the experiences of being at the Games, it's almost like it's ticking along in the background. And uh, there hasn't been any, like, Major delays or anything like that, or you know, yeah. changes of decision. Although, I must admit, some of those goals against Everton, I was like, Is he offside? That's my always my yeah. first check. I've always got one eye yeah. on the linesman, then the next eye is, 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 it, is it far? Is it far? Is it... <laughs> so, there's that little second bit of hesitation, but uh, so you far, get a lot so far, hesitation,
4: good. hesitation with Crichton down the wing. Could you imagine all, the, <laughs> <laughs> all of the tomfoolery we could. <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> I can't think of any other robots. I'm trying. Well, you could have R2D2. Or C- what about C3? Oh. C3PA would probably be good as well.
4: R2D2 on on the left and <laughs> Crichton on the right. You would never get gonna...
3: <laughs> well, a. Well, there's oh, there's God. one for uh, the FIFA to uh, ponder. We, hmm. we, we might send them a, <laughs> a a list of recommended robots to. Uh... They never <laughs> reply to my mail. <laughs> <laughs> to run the line right uh, just uh, just before we go on uh, just one point I was watching a bit of um, Spanish football and whatever the na- that network is that shows uh, La Liga now and I was reading uh, something behind uh, it was like the past 7 years Barca, PSG, Bayern and Juve have won 25 out of the last 28 titles in those seven seven times, you know, seven mm. times four which shows you uh, one hell of a monopoly. And uh, I think all teams retain the title, didn't they? Manchester City, Barcelona, PSG, Bayern Munich and Juve all retain their titles I think that's the first time mm. that's happened so uh, wow. anyway that's just uh, something for those the scaremongers who uh, are still talking about uh, the possibility of a European league which uh, mm. doesn't seem to be uh, happening by all accounts at the moment
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Uh,
3: before we go on, I just want to say thank you very much to the, to the new My Old Man said patrons that have joined, and I caught uh, Dan Rogers adding a name to this, but I'm just going to read him out, pretending I didn't see him uh, add it uh, to the uh, to the list. Thank you very much to uh, Julian Barr, uh, Neil Brooks, Steve Crawford. (laughs) Harry Gooch that's the one I had cricket theme and uh, Nigel cook as well uh thank you very much for <laughs> signing up uh, somebody actually said to me uh at the everton game that they uh, they wanted to sign up but uh, they say but uh, you, you don't really explain it well enough and like for example i always listen to your show when i'm driving well if you're driving this time i suggest you uh the next service station you pull into it if you if you're driving now and listen into this pull into that service station get yourself a gregg's or a, a starbucks or, or whatever it is that uh, people pull into service stations for. And uh, while you're there, go to myomansaid.com on your mobile or or laptop or whatever. Click on the menu bar. If you're on your mobile, you have to click on the, uh, the, I think it's the the three stripes, and that brings up a a menu. Click on Patrons, and it will give you the details there. And uh, just sign up there. It's quite simple. If you're jogging, then uh, I think you're getting out of breath, so you need to stop now and uh, likewise uh, join up as a patron. That will give you added strength to uh, finish off your run and also access to bonus podcasts which will be uh coming your way in the week uh very soon after this show also uh, i have three uh, copies of um, shoots 50th anniversary annual which came out this wow. week wow 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 to celebrate 50 years of shoot which was i think it was last week the actual uh, birthday they sent me a copy actually and uh first thing i did was like right they better have put villa's european cup win in and yes they have so uh Three patrons will have that uh, to look forward to. Right, Everton, most played game ever. I thought it was one of those games where you think uh, we're just, you know, we've only just been promoted. It's going to be tough because Everton had, Mm. uh, I mean, they haven't lost this season, drawing a win. They've only lost twice in the last 13 games their defense haven't conceded a goal this season and uh, I think towards the end of the last season they were pretty mean I mean they've got a decent uh, back line and you just thought well, it's gonna, I think it's going to be low scoring this mm. in the end I think we got a bit of luck this time round compared to the uh, the other games because I mean every goal yeah. seemed to come off mings or was deflected uh, that we've conceded recently but this time the blocks I mean where, where, where do you want to start
4: I thought our, I thought our game plan was pretty solid I th- the obvious thing he needed to do was bring Gilbert in.
3: But why was that obvious? Because he he wasn't even on the bench in the last couple of games, and Target was, and yet Target was nowhere to be seen this time round. Mm. And Gilbert was there front and centre. I mean, there was people have been talking about uh, Gilbert was, somebody at the Everton game said, he was bought for the championship. No. And I don't believe that. I think he's one of those players that he was going to fit in any whichever league we were in.
4: Yeah, and I, I, I don't think I don't think Gilbert was the the reason, if you if you know what I mean, that, that we won. I, I just think he gave us a different dynamic, and it was some of the things that we saw in pre-season that excited us. Yeah, clearly the reasons that we saw when we skated him that excited us, but it changed things up a level into a higher tempo that I think Smith. Prefers to play. I I think um, Al Mohammed is coming for a lot of criticism the first couple of games, that I think is unfair. And and wait, has he? I
3: mean, I haven't. I mean, he's he's been defensively, he's been solid. I've picked up some. Yeah, his stats say that he's been
4: solid. I think that um, uh, would it be unfair to say that I think certain quarters need a a scapegoat? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I mean, uh,
3: speaking from this show, which you obviously haven't hmm. listened to the last couple of episodes, (laughs) you don't. Obviously, it's all about you, and you don't listen to the ones you're not in. But, uh, (laughs) but. But uh, no, him and him and Taylor have got the thumbs up. Even though we know their limitations, that ultimately, if we're yeah. going to be picking up three points in this division, we need more up in the final third from our backs.
4: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that's where it, it combined. That you know, you mentioned already that that Mings. I think I think Engels is is the one who you know he's as good as Mings. Um, I think if not potentially, um, potentially a little bit better. Actually, or a little bit more composed. Yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go
3: there. <laughs> Well, um, can I just finish on Gilbert first? the uh, nah, rude. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, mainly, his bullet runs, which uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're lost on people who are watching it on TV, but he'd do these like sprints at like top speed mm. where you just see him surging. And uh, I think he two or three, and, and the Villa players, they weren't on the same wavelength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. I'm just thinking there's something to tap into. that Yeah,
4: that'll come. The
3: Mings, as, <laughs> as he did last season, the Mings cross field ball that Engels can't yeah. do by the way, and, you know, get latch onto that bullet run from, uh, Gilbert, and uh, we could have a, a little secret weapon up there. But I was, I was surprised uh, that none of the Villa players seem to be on that uh, wavelength. I don't know if they know he can do it.
4: No, yeah. Well, there's, there's that isn't it? obviously he's just, just reappeared, has not he? But and, and I think that where that a similar thing I'd say is that is that as and when the players get tuned into players like uh, King Yotta, I think that that will be you know it's good to see that, that Wesley made that run and Yota and Yota saw him and picked it for the goal. But I thought there was other moments in the game where um, and this this will come where. Yotta made good movement and was was playing the space and people were a bit slow to, you know, play the triangles and the diamonds and whatnot, where he was clearly trying to, you know, often under two or three players on him.
3: Well he slipped, he slipped Wesley in again and that was the one he that did, was yeah. the one that was blocked but it was by a hand. Mm-hmm. Wesley's mm-hmm. shot was blocked by it a was. hand and this new rule about handball I mean technically uh, that should have been a penalty In, in yeah, under the law of what's been going on.
4: But I, I think overall I reflected that you know Everton came that their defensive record and their defensive improvements this season I think speak, speaks for itself. Thought they were guilty of overplaying would be my observation of the visitors I thought that we and what that allowed us to do is I think that once that they had their early spell of pressure and that we worked out that we could play our counter i think that that raised our confidence and when obviously wesley got his first goal i think that changed the game completely i thought we were high quality after the first goal
3: after the early start i, I felt pretty mm-hmm. comfortable obviously you know wesley yeah. put us 1-0 up it was just when uh i mean we have to go back to you saying engels is better than mings but uh, before we i think he's got the before we go there because that's that's we have to get into like a pit and fight over that one i think but the only time i was, worried was I will win. I will win. Was when, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Low center of gravity. We're now, we're now um, doing two conversations at once here, which uh, not many podcasts can actually pull off. They don't have the capacity no, 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 no. to do that. But no, when Everton did make their <laughs> subs, it, ten, it it freshened them up and they made impacts. And I think Awebe mm. hit the mm. post and then Theo Walcott uh, that was the what the probably the best chance they had, and he, he should have done better with that.
4: Can I just bag Walker out? I feel the need. I just need to bag Walker out here. A oh, Walker to me is the kind of signing that we would have made years ago. Who you'd have gone, oh, that's a great name to have signed. And he looks like to miss the chance and opportunity he had for a player who, <sighs> I mean, probably has all of that. Quality somewhere, but it was such a such a poor miss for a player allegedly of his quality. You know, you know what I mean. We've had, yeah, and at that moment, that was the moment I thought we're we're going to win this because their big chance had gone. yep
3: yeah, uh, so did I. I thought, and because they didn't really trouble. I mean, Heaton, <laughs> Heaton yeah. didn't really have uh, too much to deal with. I mean, to you know, to uh, and this is a segue back to Engels and Mings. I mean, they pretty much uh, each of them had a had a basically saved a goal with a with a key block.
4: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And I saw Gareth Southgate in there, obviously, uh, checking people out. And I think he would have walked away uh, more impressed with Mings than, say, Grealish, obviously, you know, there's a lot of talk about Grealish, but I think, you know, he's, yeah. he's looking at Mings and Mings, if you look at his stats, he's he's leading uh, the league in clearances already by mm. like a massive amount. I think he's on
4: his, 30. His heading clearances were outstanding.
3: Yeah, against him, as and as it. they were against Spurs, but he's on 32 mm. and the nearest one is like mid 20s.
4: Mings has the fantastic ability to, to his positioning is fantastic where there was a couple of times even even in the Everton game but also in, in the Bournemouth game as well where um he things are ricocheting around horribly and we have for years we've as a club had a propensity to the ball will hit the back of the net and you think where
3: where were we? It's like pinball, isn't happened. it? And it ends up in the net. Yeah.
4: Um and there was one I think it was ultimately waved offside against Everton, but he'd, he'd somehow managed to clear the ball when it ricocheted off him from it'd been hammered at him from eight to nine yards away. It's somehow blocked in, and he'd ricocheted off his legs and he managed to fashion a clearance and it was great yeah, as
3: well as leading clearances he also leads the league in uh, blocks on seven and uh, engels is second on six so we have uh soon to be first seem um, <laughs> seem to have two of the most robust <laughs> i really like I, I, in town yeah
4: i, I think that, that that's really 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 positive I, can I be prophet of doom as well for one second? Because I know Mings is, is nursing. Is it a groin injury? He had to have an injection before the Everton game to play. It's a little bit more reassuring that if for whatever reason he was unavailable, then girls is there. Yeah. Because there's they're, they're very similar in how they play. And I think the quality of the scene, you know, if you were to lose Mings and, and possibly have less experience or less composure, I'd be very concerned. But that that's a... A positive in the event of
3: yeah i mean court courtney house uh obviously is left-footed and, and can slot straight mm. in there and, and i think this, this seems to be a bit of a bit of a uh theme here that you're not the biggest mings man because you were scoffing at uh, villa having to pay six million for him never mind uh over 20 listen like, just
4: like a bargain we were offered him for six in january how does he suddenly become 26 what's this perslow economics? sorry the fernando torres of finance as, he, as he's known uh <laughs> listen it's all statistics
3: <laughs> you know we're just quoting stats here but we've seen with our own <laughs> eyes uh, what the two of th- i love them both. what the two of them have already done and and they were the first factors that gave me that feeling that we're not going to get relegated this season and uh yeah. please do save this and uh have it ready for uh, the end of the season but uh, I'm pretty confident at this stage that uh, you won't be able to pull that card. Just finally on that one I, at the end of that game mm. and the final whistle go both Engels, Mings and Heaton as a trio all yeah. you know gave it the big hugs and uh, the high fives so and that to me is the completion of, of that core in that defence I mean if it gets through Engels and Mings then you've got the insurance policy of Heaton. I mean
4: Heaton will just kick them down in the bounty box so we've got that insurance <laughs> policy <laughs> yes yes good to good point that out. um <laughs> that's
3: that's in his past that's um, in his past
4: it's you know it's refreshing after him ever many years have we've been blogging and writing and and podcasting and all this sort of stuff that i was looking across the team and i've already mentioned Yotta. i think yotta has got the potential to become a, a, a purchase on on par with McGinn in terms of value
3: but he seemed out of his depth in the first two games because my prophecy was this league <laughs> may suit him better than the uh, the championship.
4: It's a horses for courses, I think, that there's going to be times to deploy him yeah. or
3: as we were saying on the podcast before, after uh, those first two games, you thought, hmm, these yeah. cameos off the bench haven't been that impressive. But it was a different different level uh, against Everton.
4: He was superb. And I think another player who was a different level, who has been perhaps indifferent this season so far, was Al Ghazi as well. That I think we've always been a, a fan of his, of not what his potential is, but actually some of his contributions since he's been at Villa Park. He turns up. He turns up and he, he you can never not accuse him of, of not trying hard. And I think that there was no better evidence by the fact that he just bulldozed... Through through a pass that was intended for greelish and was fuck you i'm i'm gonna slide on you my knees into the man
3: time, in you. one sweep in yeah. sweep in motion and yeah. uh, it was great i like the way it just kind of trickled in slow motion over the line yes yes it did. it been. wasn't the, the winner because that would have been a bit more dramatic that uh, slow uh roll over t- tickled in wesley wesley been getting sh- shit mm. loads of oh unnecessary bullshit, his shit, his shit, uh, everywhere, you know, everywhere you look.
4: Every- it's one thing that turns me off social media is... Well, in the, the stands
3: as well, but that's just people being yep. sheep-like and influenced by social media and you think, you know, you actually watching him close enough because yep. his strength, his hold-up play, I mean, the first game, granted, he was going down a bit early because mm. I, I don't think he realised uh, he was in England and uh, that's kind of frowned upon <laughs> yep. in, uh, in this country. It's one of the only things we have still. We've got Brexit to look forward to, I keep telling. <laughs> you i've got a party arranged streamers
4: <laughs> boris johnson face masks only- <laughs> donald tusk masks for those who don't want them
3: <laughs> yeah no the uh it's still frowned upon that people don't like cheats and i think he got that into his locker and he, he's a big motherfucker basically he's strong yeah, he's a big lad but he's technically great and the way he picks passes and mm. can hold people off mm. and, f- and get that out ball find you know find his man it's his visions uh, spot on us. are you describing Jonathan Codger
4: and <laughs> oh, no no sorry I'm still with <laughs> you you know you could
3: it. say the same <laughs> I always used to say the same about Ben Teke people used to say you know great finisher a big yeah. chap but he had vision he as well he him. had vision as mm-hmm. well I mean there's one player that hasn't been utilised by any team that's had him since uh, Villa mm. but yeah Wesley I, I think there's. More to yep. come, there. and the fact that Yotta was there to actually generate chances for him was very, very promising. Was a big plus because Yotta's mm. got vision and he can see the game playing out in front of him. McGinn, I think, yeah. uh, he's, he's a bit more frantic and he gives you something yep. completely else. Well, McGinn causes chaos, exactly, doesn't yeah. he?
4: That's what. Yeah, I was really impressed with Wesley. I won't say I was concerned after the first couple of performances because I I know I annoyed a lot of people last season by sort of, I reserved judgment on a lot of things because I don't think you can, <laughs> I mean with Wesley you can't judge someone, you can't judge someone for 180 minutes. Yeah. I think the real positives were his, I thought his touch was a lot better. I think he looked like a player who'd been told if you do these things the goals will come and because I thought his player against Bournemouth was a bit isolated. I thought we were a bit frantic because we'd fucked up so early against Bournemouth yeah. and we were chasing the game anyway. Yeah so that that played into it and as you rightly say he got fantastic service he got absolutely fantastic service and if he gets if he gets two chances a game like that he'll score one of them i'm pr- i'm pretty confident and it's interesting i was reflecting cuz abraham scored a couple of goals at the weekend yeah his first actually i think for chelsea yeah. and it and it opened that question mark in my head would i rather have had him or would i rather have had wesley or rather had abraham and, and after the uh in terms of a physicality and a a contribution outside of the box, I think um I think Wesley shows real, real promise and and looks I can see why we've gone and bought him, I think is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, no, he's yeah, got totally. a real a real broad range of, of strong attributes and a finish in him yeah,
3: too. I think Villa would have had another striker. They had one in mind, but it just didn't work out in terms of uh, And yeah. mm. Just going back to a uh, couple of times when Taylor was in positions to mm. get that final mm. ball in and it just didn't work out yeah. for him. And that is the strong hand of target. Yeah, Having seen him for Southampton, what he's doing good is getting past the, uh, the opposing fullback and putting in dangerous deliveries. And we just needed, mm. we needed something else as well as what, Yotta was uh, serving we up.
4: We did. We did. I think perhaps it, Target sits into that category of player where, when we were talking about it pre-season, pre-pre the start of Premier League season, you could see exactly the reason why he'd been bought because he fits into that style of play and that philosophy that Smith's trying to yeah. embed across the entire team. I actually quite like Neil Taylor as a defender, and he gets a lot of stick from from a lot of fans, not just our own. I think for being perhaps bang average, and um, he's he's limited in certain ways. I have to say, going forward, he's particularly limp, and I don't think that's going to improve. But w- w- there'll be games where I think his defensive experience will will really support us and really help us. And I wonder whether it's is it, we're going to see a similar thing as we as we've seen with Gilbert, that there'll be certain games where Smith might go. Do you know, what, it's it's targets opportunity to press from that side. Well, well, I Smith what Smith
3: is 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 very much drip feeding his new buys in he, he he's is, not yeah. I mean for example marvellous is still uh, he's waiting until he's 100% fit You would n- until <laughs> he's truly truly marvellous the man who uh, at the moment is ahead of him in the pecking order uh, Douglas Louise uh, difference mm. to him this time uh, against Bournemouth there was a man playing at his own tempo uh, and probably what he was yeah. used to in La Liga and he obviously uh, realised he had to step it up a bit because it was a bit the, a the game's a bit quicker and uh, but he you see, he he only does stuff that he knows he's definitely going to be successful. There's a few mm-hmm. times he reached mm-hmm. in for a tackle and he and he won it. And I thought, oh, wait, his timing and his reading the game is is very good here. Very mature, and, actually, yeah. Too. Junk, no. And he got further forward uh, a lot more this time than against Bournemouth because he, he was mm. kind of playing that traditional Villa DM who doesn't cross the, the halfway line. Uh, uh, Jedinak, Whelan, but uh, in in this uh, this game he was he was very much getting up there and supporting, and uh, I think he's definitely going to be a decent player for us. But it, it's interesting to see how Marvelous will fit in now, and if there'll be games where they'll be playing alongside each other potentially, uh, you know, against the oh, big th- guns, Liverpool. You're right, Yeah,
4: yeah. I think that's exactly where you'll see the two. Uh, I think the one advantage that, that Douglas Lewis gives us is he is very, very versatile, and I think if unleashed, he could be genuinely box-to-box yeah. as well. Uh, he's got that in him. Um, uh, the, I'm just going to reiterate what I just said before. I, uh, there are very few players I think I've seen in a Villager in that role as mature, as calm, as and this ability to be positioned well, so that you can fire off a pass, knowing absolutely it's going to hit another Claret Blue shirt. Yeah. that's an art. That's a real art when you're under pressure, and sometimes with your back to the to your striker too.
3: In Douglas Luiz's pass percentage was right down uh, from what it was. I mean, it was sixty-six point seven percent, which uh, normally you'd be looking at it and going, "What the hell's going on there?" But uh, the game, in terms of uh, the stats, was very much like this, the Spurs game, where we had like thirty-five percent. Mm. Possession and uh, it, again, it was uh, Grealish top touches with fifty six, and normally you know the top guys mm. in his nineties are hundred.
4: Yeah, you yeah. Scott Hogan. Uh,
3: Mings was fifty five <laughs> touches, and thinking against Spurs, Grealish was fifty three, and Mings was fifty two. So very similar template to the game. Mm. But yeah, uh, Douglas Lewis I don't recall him being sloppy in terms of his passing because, as you said, mm. uh, I just remember him against. I think he was playing a lot more safer and slower against Bournemouth for mm. sure. No, I like the look of him. You, you know, even at twenty-one, he's very composed.
4: Very, very composed. And I think it complements the other play as well. That we, you know, make it's unf- perhaps unfair of me to say label McGinn's style of play as as, as chaotic. It, it causes chaos in, in other teams, and I think that it gives a nice it's balance. Sort
3: of sticking his ass into people. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's a, it's a not too subtle but it's a, it's effective that's for sure
3: we're going to do a uh, as we do every month uh, well since last month uh, a Mad Few which is the Facebook group uh, that uh, is around this show the links are, are in social media it's on a, the Mad Few Twitter account as well where we uh, do a Q&A session from the Mad Few when I put up the post we'll be recording this later in the week but a few came in straight away so uh, while we're here I mean one uh, we were just talking about Gilbert I said what did you make of Gilbert's mm. debut and can you see him taking over Elmo's spot for the majority majority mm. of the season I, I think as it's a yes to that just because of the- yes once the other players are on these wavelength of his, you know he's got his bullet runs and he likes to get forward and he's, he's quite a feisty little dude as well
4: yeah, I was a bit worried when I think you got his yellow card in the fourth minute for hauling down, uh, yeah. From a distance,
3: <laughs> he could look a bit like a Fernando Nelson, but I think I think <laughs> I think he's better.
4: Fernando Nelson arrived with outrageous hair from, <laughs> was it Sporting
3: Lisbon? It was the biggest hair I'd ever seen, and it was all upwards. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> like Max Stokes's. So that was Ryan Edgar. Thomas Knight says, Do you see Horahan as being back up to McGinn and Grealish rather than to Louise as the uh, centre midfielder? I think a lot of that, it depends (laughs) what Marvelous's role is in all of this. But uh, Horahan, yeah, I mean, I think Horahan works for me as an impact sub. It's when you look at that villa bench, at the Mm. moment you're looking at that villa bench and you're thinking, "Mm, what's it really offering? But one thing it does have is Horahan. But you just wish Horahan's end product was in the first 11 because at the moment, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not putting mm. money on uh, El Ghazi or Grealish from free kicks. Uh, they just don't have the edge that uh, Horahan brings to the party.
4: No, and that is a shame. Actually, I think we've we've talked about this a lot because I think the the, the early, well, even some of the middle part of Horahan's uh, Villa career, that there's not a lot of love sometimes yeah. for him. Having said that, that he, he hasn't got everything in his bag, and I think that we're just looking back at the Everton game. I suppose would I think he would have struggled with the physicality in the middle. Um, and those were the games where he really, really struggled. Where in, in the championship, when uh, you know those singular moments where he he contributed big time with, especially with dead ball moments. I, I can think of like the last second free kick scored against Blackburn and, and things like that, where they really, really counted. But you know, to lo- looking looking down the eleven, it you can see why he's benched at the moment. I don't think that's a slight on him. I just think it's how the status quo has fallen at the moment.
3: Yeah, but it gets to the point where. If we're chasing a game, and we we, mm. we we alluded to this uh, last week, and Grealish isn't playing well, is Grealish guaranteed to be playing? Because if you've got Marvelous coming into the uh, the setup as well, the competitions are at a it's a pretty the bars at a strong level actually. If Horahan a mm. can't get in the team, you've got McGinn battling with like you know the Brazilian under twenty three captain with Grealish like the captain and talisman. Mm. And,
4: and this is a good place to be. Yeah, by no, it's way. a very good, bit, <laughs> you know, very is, good place yeah, to yeah. be.
3: But uh, for example, would you, with ten minutes to go, take Grealish off? Although you need Grealish to win the free kicks mm. for Hurran to take, mm. so it's kind of a complicated scenario. And McGinn's probably one of the last players you would ever consider subbing.
4: I, I don't know the answers to this one, either, and perhaps Smith doesn't because he's been benched. Yeah, for me, for me, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm bagging Hurran out. I actually quite like him. I think he's, a, I think he's got. I think he got a lot to give. I I just really worry. Yeah, I, I think in those games where there's a bit of physicality, I think I'd worry. Having said that, the Premier League where players get a lot of protection, it does lend me to think that horan has got a bigger role than perhaps I'm thinking. You know, to play at times, it could be again, like I said before, there'll, there'll be horses for courses where I think we might scratch our heads a little bit. Time with team selection, um, but I wonder if if yeah, the seasons you've got a going on. In
3: injuries, I suppose as well. Mm-hmm.
4: Exactly, and I think that, that that's where this squad depth that we've suddenly got comes into its own. And with Hurran as well, you do know what you're bringing on. You know what you've got. I don't want it to sound like limitations, but actually, we know all about his 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 really good traits. And you know, when he really really struggled in the early part of his Villa career under under Bruce, he he and uh, I think it was him him or Lansbury were always anchored in front of the defence, and we never saw any of those reasons why we bought him. But you know, where those opportunities maybe present, where we want to go with a. a supporting players for Wesley or whoever else might be there, then he, you know, if you're chasing a game, he might be one to think, to bring on. If someone's tiring or injury. Yeah, well, yeah, no,
3: well, that's what normally happens with substitutes, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're talking about we have squad death, I think depth. I think that's definitely... <laughs>
4: <laughs> We've had squad death. That's <laughs>
3: That's definitely the case in terms of uh, midfield and defence. It's just the <laughs> wings, I think we're one man short, and uh, obviously, strikers were struggling a bit.
4: Yeah, we're, we're light up front. Aren't and we? we
3: do rely on Wesley uh, firing up and obviously uh, staying uh, fit as well. I mean, if he, people are moaning about him in the first two games, but if he got mm-hmm. injured, then uh, we'd be seriously fucked. Uh, at this point in time but uh going in i mean the next game obviously palace and people are thinking oh yeah it's a great game to have after getting our first win and then they obviously go and beat manchester united at old trafford and those people started to disappear in hedges like the uh, homer simpson uh, gif i think every game uh at this yes. state point in time is one that we could easily lose so uh rather than saying, oh, we've got an easy patch now, you just take it one game at a time, which is pretty much what Smith did in the run-in at the end of last season. Absolutely. Philip Shaw posed the question, and this is something um, I've seen people moaning about, but I haven't actually seen it. Well, maybe you got more of an idea. Can expected goals as a new stack Go away. It's clutching at straws when you lose and it's taking the shine off if you win with a good defensive performance. I don't see who it benefits other than some ITK-obsessed Twitterers. Grumpy old man rant over. Yeah, I think I I saw it on some coverage. Uh, I just kind of looked over... And I just saw it disappear off the screen, uh, what Philip Shaw's talking about, where they where they give you the expected goals. And this is something that's been in circulation mm. for a few seasons, but nobody's really used it uh, in like mainstream media. What's it been mm. used on? Is it Match of the Day or Sky? I, I mean, I haven't seen it.
4: I've seen it floating around. I think it, it, it's all drawn out of like this... I think it's driven personally by by the fact that you can bet on anything. And I think that it's just another thing that appears and it's it's kind of like, a I don't know, inverted commas, an interesting stat that possibly will want And it appears on, um, I think it does appear on all the mainstream at some point.
3: All well, that I will say is like shots on target is more of an indication of uh, the pressure mm. that you've actually uh, put on a game. At-
4: I can't speak for you, but having having done this podcast with you for many years, I'm a firm believer that what you see in front of you is how you should judge the game. You know, we, we've all sat through Lambert's possession-based yeah. football. Well. If you're going to judge a game, it's bollocks. At the end of the day, what what matters is how many goals you scored and have you beaten the, the opposition. And it's football is a simple game.
3: Not Lambert per se, but that just that period where he just, where he went over to Dortmund for a couple of days and came back yeah. as a uh, possession based team. <laughs> and They sent him back, <laughs> and was, Everton pretty much matched that because they had one shot on target. Yet they, yet they had mm-hmm. 65% of their play. Mm. And funny enough, this was Villas. This yeah. was the second game out of the three where they've actually forced zero corners.
4: Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the playoff final exactly. 2017 all over again.
3: But with if Conor Horahan's not on the pitch, then corners are a waste of time anyway.
4: Yes, we, we don't need them. They're, They're blows.
3: Exactly. Right, uh, we will uh, run the Scott Hogan touch can when we have three men on, because obviously Dan cannot uh, compete against himself.
4: So I am the victor. Is what you you're are the victor,
3: of course. All yes. other candidates are enjoying their bank holiday uh, weekend wherever that is taking place.
4: We're enjoying ours together. The candles burnt down somewhat. (laughs) Dinner's being tidied away. The villa dogs.
3: Oh, did you? (laughs) Like like after eights. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did you did you take a doggy bag from Villa Park of uh, Villa Dogs?
4: I didn't. I didn't. I, I'm very disappointed that there's only select kiosks that you can get a waft of Villa. Yeah, Dog and I now. can't
3: believe uh, you missed the episode <laughs> where uh, we reported on the price hike as the Villa Dog touches the five pound mark. Uh, I think it's four four eighty now. How they can get away with that? How they wow. get away with that? I'll wow. never know.
4: <laughs> wow, that is quite something.
3: Right, we're going to go off and uh, enjoy uh, the rest of this bank holiday weekend. Although all days are the same for me, to be honest. So, until next time, (laughs) what? (laughs) Just laughing at that. It's quite funny. (sighs) Right, until next time, on that morbid (laughs) note, even though England have managed to uh, relight the ashes and Villa have relit their season as they get the first points, the monkeys off the back, so to speak. And because if they didn't pick up three points, it would have just dragged on and uh, misery would have started and scapegoats would have been lined up and shot. Sacrificed in the center circle we've avoided that and hopefully we can pick up some points uh, that's november <laughs> <laughs> as we play a couple of those cockney clubs uh, in the next uh, week or so right until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye
0: my old man said... away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.